welcoming everyone to the Putcraft Podcast. My name is Reed Nelson. On this week's episode, we'll be doing a deeper dive into the uh, Rookie of the Year race that uh, we uh, briefly discussed on Instagram this week. Next week, we'll be looking, taking a closer look at the three events that have taken place so far at the Golf Zone uh, as uh, as we prepare for Saturday November 16th at the Golf Zone. Um, excuse me. I'm going to say that again. Saturday, November 19th at the Golf Zone. Where was my brain on that one? Not totally sure. 11 a.m. is the start time of that event. Also, next week, I'll be ready to unveil the... Um, uh, additional events for the remainder of 2022. A few reminders because we have some new folks and uh, I need to stop assuming that everybody knows what I'm talking about all the time. We will uh, award uh, or give awards out at the end of the league year, which ends in March, March 31st. The league year runs from April 1st to March 31st. And we do that because to me, that April feels like the natural start to the season when we can head back outdoors again. Um, I feel like that's better than using the calendar. The January doesn't didn't feel like a natural start to the league year. Um, and then when we start doing more majors and national tournaments, it, it'll make more sense to have the league year start in April. So, uh, we, we do, uh, you know, we do awards last year. We did whole of the year and round of the year and rookie of the year and contributor of the year and player of the year and most improved player. Um, and I'm excited to, to, to dive into some most improved. We're going to wait on that a little bit. Um, this week is going to be kind of a rookie of the year roundup, if you will. And, um, uh, you know, and 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 it's it's one of the things I enjoy most about this is the awards, the the controversy, the the uh, well, you'll see. I've got a I've got a lot of plans for today's for for, uh, for today's episode. Um, an, another thing, a couple other things, real quick. BEP percentage. Again, many of you know what that is. Some of you don't. And if you're new here, uh, let me quickly explain it to you. BEP percentage is the number of holes that you've completed that you've scored a. Uh, par or better, birdie eagle par percentage, and BE percentage is the number of holes that you've completed where you've scored a birdie or better. These are not perfect stats. We've covered the issues with them, the concerns with them, if you will, but they are a nice uh, indicator of of your performance uh, throughout your career or your performance at a single event. The more events that you participate in, the more accurate uh, that number becomes, and the more the outliers uh, uh, have less of an effect, if you will. Okay, so uh, let's talk Rookie of the Year. The first event... um, it's actually what was the uh, was it was originally supposed to be the Dred Scott Open 1.0. We moved it inside to the Golf Zone Open 1.0. We announced this a while back. I'm going to reiterate it here. If your first event was the Pirate Spring Open, which was the last event of the league year, March 31st, I'm going to say that you are eligible for this year's Rookie of the Year race. I don't know if that's how it'll be in the future, but that's how it's going to be this year. So currently, the overwhelming favorite um, is Joel Brown, whose first event was uh, at the uh, 
uh, technically the last day of the league year. But again, we've—I I said this a long time ago that 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 we were going to count that uh, towards. Uh, he's rookie of the year eligible. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I, I don't do a good job of explaining things uh, concisely. So, um, so if if we take a closer look at Joel Brown's stats, um, he's participated in five events. And he's had five top five finishes, okay, which is probably his strongest um, uh, case for uh, for uh, winning Rookie of the Year. Um, his BE percentage is thirty seven point two percent. His BEP percentage is eighty six point one percent. If you eliminate any player, and this is going to be weird because technically a couple of the candidates have only played in one event. We'll get to that in a bit. If you eliminate any player that has played in two or fewer events, so this is only players who have played in three or more events, Joel Brown is sixth in BE percentage overall. And he is fourth in BEP percentage. Okay, so 37.2% BE percentage and 86.1% BEP percentage. He has 14 hole-in-ones, uh, which you know doesn't rank him in the top 10, but again, he's only played in five events. Uh, he has one double eagle, if you'll recall, which is a candidate for hole of the year. Uh, we also have it on video which is which is a lot of fun uh four eagles 62 birdies 67 uh uh birdies plus eagles if you will uh 88 pars again 14 aces no tournament wins although his first event um was a uh he went into overtime extra holes excuse me with dan wesley and was uh nearly victorious uh it was it was a really 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 great finish um to that event there is one thing that is working against joel brown and should it maybe maybe not you know this is one of those gray areas that that uh you know that that i personally have uh quite a bit of fun with and that is that we have not seen Joel since the Centennial Lakes Open on July 13th. Okay, so does that disqualify him? No, it doesn't, right? It, 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 it doesn't. Everything gets considered. If he, you know, let's just say hypothetically, there's three, four, five six or seven i I think we're gonna have six or seven events left in this league year let's just say six for fun if joel comes to none of those six and a couple of the players that i'm going to be talking about here in a moment come to all six of them and participate and perform well and let's say one of them wins one of them right now we're talking about a race right now this is not a race right? Because I can't assume that I know the future. The future might have Joel Brown coming to Golf Zone in two weeks and winning it. How do I know, right? Um, So with the information that we have available to us right now, Joel Brown is the overwhelming odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year. 
Um, it's, it's at this moment, it is not particularly close. Okay. But again, with six or so events left, you'd like to see him in at least one more of them, two more, three more, and then it becomes a stronger case. You know, and, and that's one of the things with rec sports that I think is, um, you know, a dynamic that you need to keep in mind with pros, like you, you could win a million dollars winning a golf tournament, right? Or if you're, if you have a contract and you're a basketball player, you might get paid, you know, $613,000 to play in a basketball game. You're going to show up and play in those games. The financial incentive is not here for these, for, for you, the listener, the participants to come up. I understand that. But I'm still going to take the data that I have available to me and I'm going to uh, discuss it. I'm going to I'm going to make it controversial. I'm going to try to make it a little controversial uh, to turn the screws, if you will. And at the end of this league year, we're, we're going to award the winner. Right. If the league year was over today. Joel Brown would be your winner. OK. There are a couple of other candidates that I did not mention. Uh, one in particular this week that I will get to in a bit. We're going to get back to that in a second. Okay, the second candidate that I want to discuss is somebody who was leading or had a course record at one point. And, you know, that means something. It's not it's not everything by any means, but it's something. And that's Nick Noble. Nick Noble at one point had a course record at Dred Scott uh, with with what was at one point a very impressive 44. We now know that Matt Rolstead has crushed that record uh, and crushed all the other scores that has ever taken place at Dred Scott um, with a uh, 37. Now, in order for me to take a look at Ignoble, I'm going to need to add the players who have participated in two events. So during these rankings here, keep in mind, this is anybody who's played in two or more events. So Nick Noble, two events, one top five finish, three hole-in-ones, an 80.6% BEP percentage, and a 43.1 BE percentage. Again, if you account for everybody who's played in two or more events, Nick Noble would be, and this is interesting, third in BE percentage at 43.1%. Now, that includes a trip to Lilliput. It also includes a trip to Dred Scott. So uh, do those two things balance out? I mean, sort of, not completely. But, you know, if, 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 if it were just two trips to Lilliput, it'd be one thing. But this includes a Dred Scott trip. So I think a third place finish overall behind only Sean Brown and Matt Rolstead is impressive here. If you consider BEP percentage... Um, he is down a little further. Uh, sorry, my eyes are deceiving me right now. He is in tied for ninth place with Rick Lestico at 80.6%. So again, he's, his stats are nothing to scoff at. So if we're trying to make the case for Nick Noble, we say that, um, Nick Noble finished in sixth place at um, 
um, at Dred Scott, his first event, with a 55 on the front and a 44 on the back. He then turned around and went to Lilliput and finished in fourth place, eight strokes off the lead at 19 under par. So, you know, very nearly two top five finishes. Now, Joel Brown has five top five finishes, right? Nick Noble has one close to two. These are also very large events that Nick Noble has taken place in or has, has taken part in. Uh, 22 at Lilliput, and 21 at Dred Scott. So Nick Noble, again, a candidate. A distant second, maybe even third, depending on, on how you view these next two players. Now, um, let's talk about these next two players. And in order for me to do that, I have to open up this to everybody who's ever participated in a Puttcraft event, because these two players have only played in one event. In fact, well, okay. So um, it's it's Eric Casilius and Dan Radke. So let's start with Eric Casilius, who finished in second place at a very deep field um, at the Loon's Nest Open a couple weeks ago. Five strokes off the lead, a 43-47, um, you know, which which to me, you know, I, I, I know Eric has played in competitive mini golf events before, I believe, and at least I believe he has. You know, generally when the first time people come out, you see the four strokes more on the back back 18. Normally you're, you're going to see four or five, six, seven, eight, whatever strokes less because they're getting used to the uh, course. But then you also have the nerves that come into play, right? So uh, Eric Asilius with a with a second place finish. And then Dan Radke with a third place finish tied with Matt Rolstead, who I know had played the course before. Dan hadn't. So is there some recency bias that goes on here, right? Yes. Okay. Maybe you make the case for Sam Lapidat, who's played in, I believe, four events, right, over these two people here, which we will make a case for Sam in a bit here. Um, but if, if we're looking at rankings... Again, we now have to bring in everybody who's ever participated uh, in an event before because of the uh, uh, because they've only played in one. And sorry, there's a lot of names here. So give me a second to find this. It's interesting because I was looking, yeah, you know, I, I generally start looking where I think they're going to be in the rankings 10, 11, 15, 18, 24, whatever. Whew. Um, BE percentage, <laughs> they're tied for first, 52.8%. Now, again, this is only one event, and it was a friendlier course. Um, you know, not as friendly as Lily Putt, but, 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 but pretty friendly nonetheless. Uh, you know, when, when your winning score is, is 23 under par, and, and Sean Brown, I don't believe, has played it before. Um, pretty friendly course. So I, I don't put too much stock in that number. Um, and then Eric Asilius is second overall in BEP percentage at 94.4%. And Dan Radke is 13th overall at 83.3%. You know, there's nothing really that you can surmise from that data set. I'm going to need to see them at Golf Zone and then at Pirate and then at uh, you know, or, or both Grand Slams, if you will, to, to really to really see if we can we can determine anything. But I'll say this: they have the making. Both of them have the making of a player who is going to win an event uh, at some point. Is it next weekend? Maybe, right? 
Maybe not, right? It, it, it's, it's going to happen at some point. They have that in them, um, and, 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 and they've showed that already. Okay, so I want to talk about one more player. Um, and then th- th- there's a couple other here that, that you could, you know, RJ Dusak would absolutely be in the mix if not for, you know, his first event being, um, I believe in February is when we went to the Mall of America, February, March, February, January, maybe. So he's not eligible. Um, he, he would certainly be in, in the mix. Um, you know, a couple of other people who've played in, in, in one event, Dominique Ling is one played in one event. Um, Caden Burkhart, another who's played in one event, they would both be certainly in the mix. Um, you know, and, and maybe if their one event was at the loon's nest, I'd put them on this list. I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to say Ben, uh, Brizzledon, uh, who, who we met at Dred Scott, he, he could be in the mix as well. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, Sam Lapidat, who is played in four events, you know, doesn't have necessarily, uh, you know, wild statistics. And let me, let me pull them up here. And I'm going to once again, eliminate players who've played in only two events. Um, you know, what I would, what I would classify as solid, if you will. So Sam Lapidat is, you know, about 17th in BE percentage. I believe that's about what that is. 31.3%. And then 79.9% is his BEP percentage, which is right outside the top 10. Here's the case for Sam Lapidat. Sam's been to a golf zone before. I think twice, I believe. Let's just say we don't see Joel again this year, this league year. Let's say Sam comes out to a golf zone and wins one or gets really close. Right now we're having the conversation because ultimately wins are going to trump overall stats. Top five finishes are great and I love them, but how many top five finishes equals one win, right? Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 12? Would Anthony Dunkel exchange six of his top five finishes for one win, one additional win? Excuse me. I don't know. Right. The top five finishes shows consistency. Right. What we saw with Matt Wyman is, you know, he's either winning it or he's finishing outside of the top five. Is that bad? Not necessarily. Right. He's, he's going for it. You know, he, he sees that 12 foot putt and he's thinking, man, I could, I could play for a two here or I could really just go for this thing. And he misses it and it goes six feet past or he hits it and boom, he wins the event. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. Everybody plays a little bit differently. Some play more aggressive. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, I mean, there is no right or wrong answer to that question. One final thought, and that is around longevity and how much that should matter. For example, where would somebody who has played in every single event and is finished in sixth place every single time, stack up against, again, let's say Joel Brown, who, uh, you know, almost won his first event and has finished in the top five, five different, I mean, you know, that, how, how much does that matter? You know, I think there's a, there's a thought of saying, well, it doesn't matter, right? You have to perform, you have to win, but it matters a little, it matters a little, um, and, and I, I do, I do account for that. I think, um, 
and and again it's 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 not the most important thing by any means but it does factor into the conversation and that's why i think you know somebody like sam lapadat who um you know who's performed well and who you know potentially has that event in him who knows um is is a long shot i'd say you know <clears throat> 25 to 1 odds um and then someone like dominic ling who played really 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 well and who is an avid golfer um love to see him return uh you know if 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 we do have six events left and he plays in four of them and he wins one of them and he finishes in the top five and three of them that's a real conversation there too so overall it's fun right i'm having a blast uh i hope you had a, a blast uh listening to this again next week we're going to look uh closely at the three events that has taken place so far at the golf zone um you know sean brown has won all three and you know is is a favorite uh, you know i mean I, I i i i hesitate to use the term overwhelming favorite but he's a favorite um it's a short course it's a course that you know he has all the angles down many of you do somebody like dan radke or eric Casilius, if they have never played at golf zone before are going to be at a, a significant disadvantage um because they don't know the bounces uh l- like some of you who have played it you know, that course 12, 14, 15 times. Um, so it's going to be fun nonetheless. I love that course. I love that facility. They're super great owners. Um, I know it's close to many of you. <laughs> it's not close to me, but I don't mind. I don't mind the drive. Um, and uh, it's indoors. So if it's a day like today, it's a little cold, a little rainy. Um, it's going to be, you know, 68, 72 and sunny nonetheless. So uh, we'll chat with you next week and then we'll see you on November. 19th, 11 a.m. at Golf Zone in Chaska.